Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Fast Radio. Today, James is joined by special guest, Chase Howard. Let's jump right into the conversation with James and Chase. Welcome to Fast Radio. I'm your host, James Like, and I am here in studio with our producer, Mr. Tony Wilson. He's over here mixing us up, going to make us sound good today. But I'm also in studio with a very good friend of mine, and he'll tell you a little bit about how we met and how long ago that's been. But uh, I've got Mr. Chase Howard with us today. How are you doing, Chase? Doing great. Doing great. Good Thanks morning. for uh, taking time on a Monday. I know it's like one of the busiest days of the week for you to come into studio, but it's always good to have Chase, and he's our first guest on Fast Radio. Nice. Actually. I so, feel honored. Well, perfect, man. You're the perfect guy for it, and we're going to have a great show today. I already know uh, we're going to freestyle a lot and see where it takes us, but if you're listening in, I want you to grab a notebook, and you're going to be able to take notes because Chase is going to be dropping value bombs today. And uh, he's going to be telling you all about his struggles and all about how he's gained freedom and success. And he's on his way to even more of that in his life. And so I'm going to give you a quick little bio, tell you a little bit about Chase here. Uh, Chase began his career in sales at AT&T. He was recognized for six years as a top salesman in North Texas. And uh, that is in all key metric areas. Later, he secured a position with MS Energy Services, uh, an oil field company, as one of their head engineers for another six years. During this time, he operated all kinds of components and tool platforms that the company provided with an oil field setting. He leveraged his results-oriented nature, strong interpersonal and communication skills, and adaptability. He quickly earned a leadership role at MS Energy. In 2015, after gaining experience with real estate acquisitions and transactions, Chase decided to pursue real estate full-time. Since then, he has built multiple successful real estate investment companies with varying strategies, demonstrating a strong personal success in sales and leadership. Now he collectively owns and manages approximately 100 rentals and has produced over 160 other profitable real estate transactions of note. Specifically at State Storage, Chase is in partnership on eight sites in North Texas. He is also the facility director of this region. As of today, he has built over 60,000 square foot onto existing sites. That is in uh, personal self-storage. Chase likes to say that there is no task greater than his will to overcome it. He's thorough. He's persuasive. He's observant. He approaches his work with warmth and enthusiasm. And he is in our studio today to tell us all about that. He's also uh, married to Michelle. Yep. And you have three kids. You want to give them a shout out? Three kids. Yep. You remember uh, that you remember their names or I'll, I'll try it real quick. Yeah. My oldest boy, Caden, <laughs> my middle boy, Tristan, we call him T and my younger daughter, Riley. Uh, they're, they're a blast. They keep me really, really busy. Thanks for the intro, James. Hey, you bet you, man. Beautiful. It's good to have you here. So you started in 2015 and when did we meet? So we probably would have actually met virtually in 2014 because that's when I was trying to learn about real estate. And I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to get a, a rental. I spent a lot of time in the oil field listening to podcasts. I uh, spent a lot of time virtually reading books like, uh, what do they call it? Audio books. Yep. A lot of audio books. Um, during that time, I was just soaking it in while I was in the oil field. I knew that being in the oil field was not what I always wanted to do. Uh, it took a lot of time. I uh, told one of my other good friends, uh, he, uh, he was at my son's birthday party while I was sitting in West Texas and he said, Hey man, I've been to more of your own kids' birthday parties than you have. Oh wow! And that, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I said, okay, well I got to get out of here. I, I got to figure something else out. Working like this is just too much. It was great money. And honestly, it was a lot of fun. Most days, there were some days obviously that are super stressful. The oil field can get crazy. Yep. Um, met some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life out there, and I definitely met, definitely met a lot of the dumbest people. I was hoping my, you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely met. Uh, it, it's a wide range of people out there. You really never know who you're going to get whenever you go out to a job site out there. But uh, I knew that wasn't for me. I was uh, using it as a means. Uh, it was not the end. I knew. So I, I just needed to continue working in the oil field, gain some, uh, some experience out there. I didn't really know where I was going, but I just started soaking up as much information as I could on, on real estate. I also knew that, you know, more, more 
real estate has more millionaires than any other investment platform, right. any other vehicle. Sure. So I knew that real estate was the direction I wanted to go. So I started looking into single family real estate. I made several phone calls to you. I'm sure at that time you're like, who is this kid calling me? I do asking remember. me all these, these random questions. He's never done a real estate transaction other than at that time I did own a personal house. Um, being in the oil field, it did bless me with the ability to go out and buy a single family house for me and my wife at the time. And we only had one kid. Um, fast forward to 2014, actually, we had, we had two kids at that point. So, um, I knew I wanted to start working on something for my future that didn't include me getting dirty in West Texas or in Montana or in Pennsylvania or in Wyoming or in every other state that I worked in. So I wanted to make a change and I uh, called you specifically because I wanted to learn how to get into uh, single family rentals. And I kept asking you, was, is this a good deal? Is yeah. it, what do you think about this one? Can, and I'm in West Texas, so I know I asked you, hey, can you run by this house? Like, you don't even know me, but hey, can you go check this? Does this look good to you? And I remember you did. You helped me out a lot. How crazy on was I? Yeah. Well, you were, you, were, you were busy, just as busy as you are now. But you were always good. You were always nice. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. I don't ever remember a crossword. <laughs> This young, young cat's asking me all these stupid questions. I don't ever remember you saying that. I just, you always helped me. So I think we're the same age. Close. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I remember in uh, 20 end of 2014, I started calling a bunch of banks, local banks, not big ones. Uh, started calling local banks to try and make relationships, but it's hard to make a relationship when you're a thousand miles away or 500 miles away or whatever it is. So I started trying to virtually make relationships, letting them know, hey, I live right down the road from your branch. Um, I'm interested in buying this property. Would you, you know, here's my information. Would you be able to fund me on it? Most of them will tell you no until you actually, you know, start working on that relationship. And I found a local bank here. Uh, the guy owned two branches, uh, an older gentleman. And uh, he told me over the phone, he said, I'll, I'll fund it. Let, let's go. So I started looking for properties and I just got on Zillow. You know, yeah. I don't even know if I can say a brand here, but that's all I could get on. And uh, that's They've what I would enough money from them. We can, yeah. we can shout them out. <laughs> so, I mean, I would just scour that just because I didn't have MLS access. I didn't have, you know, I didn't know other investors really. I didn't know wholesalers. I didn't even know what wholesaling really was. I just knew that I wanted to go buy a rent house. Yep. So I found a property um, out here in Burleson. It's uh, off of Summercrest. It's a, it's a good area. Uh, at the time, they were about $75,000, $80,000 houses. And this guy had it listed for seventy, dollars And it was listed on the market. Oh, wow. Sat on the market for a couple of weeks. And uh, I called up the, the listing agent and I said, hey, uh, I'd, I'd actually like to offer sixty, dollars And they, they actually didn't respond to me for a little while. And uh, I remember getting a phone call back like a week later. And I'm over here sweating bullets. I'm in the oil field in West Texas. Like, man, I, I, first of all, I don't, you know, I got to start saving my money. I got to quit. I got to quit spending money like this, you know? And, uh, so I started saving up a little bit and I got a phone call back and he said, Hey, you know, would you do 60? I, I forget. It was like 66 or 67 on this house. And we ended up settling at 64. My wow. wife and I refinished all the cabinets. We redid all the carpets. Um, she was there with me till 11 o'clock at night on my two or three days off that I would have in between hitches out in, out in West Texas. And that's how we did it. We, it probably, took us four or five months to renovate this house on something which would have normally taken two weeks, three weeks. But because I could only do it in between time time off, it's just what we did. I, I, we just finished it out. Um, so she helped that, you out with that job? Absolutely. So did my friends. I called several other guys. Uh, I got an electrician buddy, got a plumber buddy, thankfully. So uh, I actually have a lot of a lot of friends in trades that I just call for, for favors and say, hey, man, I don't know how to do this. Can you come over here and show me? And I'll buy the pizza, buy the beer, whatever, but mm -hmm. I need you to help me out. And uh, we got it done, and uh, I rented it. The first tenant walked in sight unseen. I had to rent it sight unseen because I, I'm i still renovating it. I don't even have finished pictures, mm. but I got it listed on Zillow as a rental. Rented it for nine fifty, and today it's worth two twenty five. dollars You still have it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I won't ever sell it. How much is it rented for now? I will never sell it. Never? No. That's my, it's, and it's not just because of the values that I won't sell it. It's just because personally for me, that's a, it's, it's a milestone. Well, and at this point, you already know everything about the house, right? Oh, yeah. Like what's been done. Uh, what's I already needed. had to redo all the plumbing, uh, all the plumbing underneath it. I yeah. know that street personally and like. It is plumbing nightmare all the oh, way yeah. down that street. The foundations were just kind of jacked up over there. Well, and it, it was uh, ca it was cast iron plumbing. So, cast iron. Uh, yep, we had to redo everything. We had to jack up the foundation. So, I mean, I've already spent enough in that house throughout the years of tenants and good tenants. I honestly, that house hadn't really had 
really very many issues over there. It's a good area. We've got good schools locally. It's a three, one, three bedroom, one bath. Um, I prefer three twos obviously, but man, it was perfect. And I, like I said, I won't ever sell it just because it, it marked a milestone for me. It was what, it was the hurdle I had to jump to get over my fear of purchasing my first property. Right. Yep. And then I, and then I had one, I've got a rent house and it's bringing in nine fifty. I think my PITA it's payment insurance taxes and interest. Uh, man, I think they were like 800 bucks a month or something in total. So I'm, I'm only cash flow in 150, 160, somewhere in there. So in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm really not making that much money on this. I need- you still have it rented for nine fifty now? No, it's fourteen fifty. Oh, I was gonna yeah. say, yeah, the, the appreciation helped you out a lot. Yeah, it, it rents for fourteen fifty. It actually, according to the market, it should bring in closer to seventeen hundred. I've got a great tenant in there. I'm not gonna bump up the rent just because I can. I, I'd like I try to I try to keep things mid range. You know, meet in the middle with my tenants and stuff. But um, that's really, really a, one of the better rent houses I've got. I, I love that house just because personally what it means to me. But it was funny in probably a year into that rental, I got a phone call from my tenant and they said, Hey, the next door neighbors, they moved out in the middle of the night. There's trash everywhere. <laughs> okay. I showed up that weekend and there's an old man at 10 AM just drunk cleaning stuff out of this house. And it's my next door neighbor to my rent house, right? Wow. So I, I walk up to him and I start start a conversation and he's the landlord. His tenants moved out, trashed the whole house in the middle of the night. He sent them an eviction notice and of course they trashed the house. They moved out in the middle of the night. So I said, hey, well, I own the house next door and I want to make sure that, it, that that this house starts to look good. And I, I don't, I mean, I'm, who's the, I'm the perfect candidate to buy this property. And he sold it to me. I bought it for $52,000. Dang it. Yeah. And I think it was that's less cheap. than a year. Way cheap. Now it's way cheap. So anyways, that's that's kind of what kickstarted me. Do you own it? Me. You still no, own it? I, I flipped ah, that one. Okay. That one I did flip because it was so trashed. I needed to get my money back out of it. Okay. The best part about the Sunnybrook house, the first rental that I bought, is I did almost all of the work myself. So although I had a down payment, although I had some money that I had to put into it, mm-hmm. and, and I maxed out some credit cards and stuff to get into there, my wife and I did almost all the work. So versus the house next door, I had to hire contractors. I had to flip it. I mean, we did framing, we did sheetrock, we did everything. So I needed my money back out of that one. Okay. So, all right. So let's, uh, let's slow down a little bit and kind of go back a little bit. So you said you were listening to podcasts, reading books. So what is, what is one book in particular that you read that kind of started to help the light bulb come on? Well, I'm going to be super cliche and say the book that almost everyone says, and that's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, exactly. Um, that one. Who's I've, the author of that? Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. I've, I've read that probably five or six times. Um, I try to reread it every year to every couple of years. Just, I mean, just because it refreshes me and gives me a new and invigorated spirit, right? I just mm-hmm. want to dive back in. But that uh, that book really what got my gears turning. Um, it 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 gave me the motivation I needed to, to make that first jump for sure. Just because I started realizing it's, you know, everybody thinks it's a huge risk that you take. And at this point I'm looking back, if I could buy a hundred Sunnybrooks, I would have gone into all of the debt I could have possibly gone into to yep. buy every one of those houses. Yeah, Cause he talks about leverage a lot in there, right? Dude, they've tripled like good, good debt. Yeah, absolutely. That's great debt. That's a, that's great debt. I think my mortgage on that house, I refied recently just because rates were super low and I knew they were going up. So I refied that property. But I mean, before I refinanced that, I think I owed forty forty two thousand dollars on it, and it's worth you know two twenty five two thirty. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's a good little little base hit, you know. Yep, and it just collects over the years as it appreciates and all that. So, you know, Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, if you haven't got that book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, mm-hmm. definitely pick it up. Have you read any of the follow ups to his books? He's got a whole bunch of other You'd have to name ones. them. I've got a lot of books. I There's got a real lot estate of investing books. ones, different ones, yes. but he, he has them all on audio as well. That's how I listen to them. And I mean, it's like a, it is kind of like a Bible for, oh, for yeah. uh, business owners and real estate investors and stuff. So, and I liked it too, cause it came from the perspective of kids. So, I mean, if you go back and read the book, it's about, you know, him growing up and his best friend and growing up and listening to his rich dad and to his poor dad. I've got kids obviously. Um, and so I'm, I'm, constantly thinking about how to, how do I, you know, train, how do I get my kids interested in what I'm doing? And if they're not interested, that's fine. But how do I make them financially free? How do I 
help my kids understand the knowledge of being financially free. And so that's another reason I really like that book is because it, it does come from a different perspective. Yep, for yeah. sure. And then what about podcasts? So somebody's listening, they're wanting to get started. So you're telling them to go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What podcast should they listen so to? So I, I listened to every single Bigger Pockets podcast up to, I think, I don't know where they're at now. I haven't listened to them in a while, but 1200 or something. Yeah. I want to say I was like one through 300 or one through 290, something like that. Um, I actually got a lot, I, I've reached out to a lot of the bigger pockets, um, people that have been on the podcasts. Right. Um, so I, I'm very familiar with it, but that's, I, I would listen to it multiple times. And then I remember when I negotiated the, um, the second house over there in Burleson, the one that the tenants moved out in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. I remember before I went over there to meet with that owner, I listened to, uh, and don't quote me. I want to say it's podcast 77. I'd have to go back and listen to it, but I had to go back and listen to the, uh, he's the yellow, yellow letters owner. He's a negotiator. And so he would tell you like, Hey, whenever you're going to speak with somebody, you say, Hey, have you ever considered selling versus would you sell or, or you know, cause have you ever considered selling is a little different in their mind. They automatically think, well, yeah, I've, I mean, I, I've considered it. Well then th- there's your end. So, I mean, he had a bunch of little things that you would say, I knock on doors. I don't ring doorbells. Who, who knocks on doors? Authority. That's yeah, who knocks dog on Dog the bounty hunter. Right. Who rings your doorbell? A solicitor. <laughs> yeah. Someone trying to, to ask you if they can paint your, your the numbers on your sidewalk or whatever. So, I mean, there was a lot of little things that I picked up on on these podcasts that I had I had to hammer through these podcasts before I'd even go talk to people because I was so nervous. I was like, I, this is my second property, maybe my third property. I really, really need to have this down before. So, anyways, I would listen to a lot of those podcasts. That's amazing, man. I am a podcast junkie. And so I still listen to tons of podcasts. They're getting a little bit different now, mm-hmm. but you know, wherever you're at, I mean, listening to podcasts can definitely take you to the next level. And I love it. And you can yep. do it anytime you want. You can listen to the same episode five times and get five different results out of it too, or five different pieces of advice. It depends on where you're at yep. in your walk and your mindset and stuff like that. And so that's awesome, dude. So, all right. So you've, you bought your first house, you still own it. It's been a great one for you. Obviously you've had to redo some plumbing and had a few nightmares I'm sure with it. Yeah. So, you know, I love how most people will never get into the rental business because they're like, I don't want to deal out with the trash out. I don't want to deal with somebody coming in, trashing my house, destroying my house and doing all of that. So your neighbor had to deal with that and you were able to pick his deal up yep. like super cheap. Let me ask you a question. Have you had anyone come in and completely destroy a house to where it was a bad investment for you? So I have bought a lot of foreclosures. I've bought a lot of properties at auction. So in that scenario, yes, almost every property once it's not, not all of them, but a majority of your properties that you're buying at auction, like a foreclosure auction, they, they feel they feel angry towards the bank and they don't realize that the person buying this house is not the bank. They're not the person you should be mad at, but they trash it almost every time. So I've bought some really, really nasty but trash those weren't, houses. Those weren't your auction. tenants. Those are just no. disgruntled people who couldn't pay their mortgage. So, um, there, there is a funny story and we're actually sitting in, <laughs> in very close proximity to one of the, one like of my five nightmares steps to yeah, the kitchen, five steps into the kitchen. So that was, uh, <laughs> that, so I got to, there's a thing that me and my business partner had discussed for quite a while. Um, I have a lot of nurse friends. Um, I have a lot of blonde friends. However, I will not rent to a blonde nurse. <laughs> that is a joke. I'm just kidding. Enchiladas, will, but enchiladas. <laughs> <laughs> but I, basically what happened was there for a while, there's probably a good two year period where I just got hosed. I got just absolutely demolished by some, some in that category. Uh, this house included, um, she was a professional tenant. She knew exactly how to make her first payment and her first deposit and then never pay again. And then pour, I mean, everything she could think of down sinks to clog drains. She did, um, so one night there was, I got a phone call at three o'clock in the morning from a gas leak in the house. Uh, apparently somebody had manipulated the water heater inside the house. Uh, yep. And the fire department showed up and of course it's three o'clock in the morning. They're calling me. Well, who installed this? I was like, dude, that's a brand new water heater. So she had manipulated with the gas. The gas had come out into the house. The, uh, carbon monoxide, uh, detectors were going off all sorts of stuff. So, um, that was kind of a nightmare. She knew how to, uh, on the eviction process, she knew how to appeal 
and she knew how to appeal at the very last second she could possibly appeal. So then I just got caught in this court case that took six months to get rid of her. And in the meantime, she's trashing the house. Uh, She had dogs, cats, all sorts of stuff. This one really wasn't the worst one. I just thought of it being the most relevant because we're literally five steps from the kitchen. But um, Well, just like your neighbor who had a trash out house, you picked up a sweet deal. Yeah, absolutely. I too, Tony, I too got a sweet deal on this. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I bought the house from Chase. And I think you actually, I I didn't have to do much work to it. I ended up having to replace the, the sewer line. And uh, the toilet almost went through the floor because it was rotten. And there's still a leak in the tub. I walked in there today. The tub is still leaking. It still has a slow drip. That has been dripping for the last 20 years. And, you know, we love tradition around here. So it's a traditional thing now. We're just going to continue to let it leak. That is our next project whenever we actually get around to it. It is a total man cave house, and it looks like men live here. And, of course, Revolution Studios is built in the same uh, same old house here. It's a commercial house now, and and uh, we're kind of incognito. So. I want to get back to another one. I had yep. a mobile home Do that. Uh, in Grandview, and this mobile home in Grandview was – we did buy it at auction. We okay. renovated it completely. Um, it was, it was beautiful after we renovated it and I rented to a family, um, that was a husband, wife and two, I would say adult kids, uh, 16 and 19. So, I mean, two big enough or old enough to know better. Um, anyways, I figured out a couple weeks in that the parents pretty much separated and moved out. Um, the kids were leaving in the house pretty much by themselves. Um, one of them was really large and they had a lot of really large friends. And I get a phone call from the mom one day and she said, Oh my God, my daughter fell through the floor. <laughs> so of course we come over there and it's a mobile home. These, these have OSB on the floors. I didn't replace OSB on the what floors. Is, what is OSB? So OSB is like a particle board basically. Like glued to, Yeah, it's glued dust. together. But I mean, that's how mobile <laughs> homes are made. They're just, yeah. it's just sawdust and really thin wood. Um, and sure enough, walk in the house, there's a giant hole right next to an AC vent where a 350 pound woman fell through the floor and then they want to sue me. Like it's my fault that you're 350 pounds and you fell through my floor. Either way, I'm sorry. That was a, that was a rough one. So I had to explain to them like, hey, you know, once we go back in, I'm going to double deck these floors. We're going to replace all these floors. Double well, deck. yeah, they stopped paying very shortly after that. Actually, I think they were behind at that point. So I had to start the eviction process. Dude, they ripped out toilets. They ran through walls. We had raft. We had, we had ceilings falling in. What do you mean they run through walls? Like, dude, there's giant holes in my walls that are the size of small children. It was weird. Uh, I mean, they just completely trashed the house. Floors were ripped up. Uh, it was really bad because obviously it was, yeah, it was my fault that, um, that she fell through the floor was their perspective. And that's why they weren't paying rent anymore was because I owed them money because she fell through my floor. And they, again, they were already behind at that point. But anyways, that was kind of a nightmare one. Um, you know, I asked you that, you know, why I asked you that question was because I, you know, there's people on the fence that are scared to, they're probably listening to this episode that are scared to real estate invest because they don't want to get their house trashed. I was expecting you to say, no, we've never really had any. No, I've, I've, I've had a lot. I haven't, I haven't really had much. You're lucky. Yeah. I've, I've had three. 20 years for you now. I've had three and two of them were family members. Blonde nurses. They every time, man. Well, every I don't have any. Time. I don't have any blonde nurses. That are my, <laughs> and uh, but, anyways, uh, yeah. So uh, this uh, the uh, podcast is called Freedom and Success uh, Talk Radio, and so I definitely want to hit on and bring some value to folks. You and I could sit. We could talk war stories all day long, every day. Matter of fact, we do that once every now and then for breakfast, I gave you a war story this morning, actually, I was throwing grenades and Chase was just jumping on top of them for me. But, (laughs) but anyways, um, I want, I want to know, and I want the audience to hear you, uh, give your definition of what, of what freedom and success is to you. How would you define freedom and success? And you can break down each word if you want to. So five years ago, freedom would have meant, um, a dollar amount. You know, what does it take to get me away from the oil field? So everything in my life has always been in That's a only season. five years ago that you were there? Uh, well, six years ago. But I mean, in five five years ago, I was still struggling in business. It seems Absolutely. like such a long time ago that yeah, you were there. I, so 20, that would have been seven, eight years ago. But even five years ago, I was still trying to figure this business out, trying to figure out what I'm doing. Um, freedom for me at every stage in life has meant something different, right? 
So freedom at that point in time, before I left my oil field, oil field job, freedom would have been, I need to make X amount of dollars per month. I need to figure out how to get to that point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, success would have been, okay, I've made it to that point. I'm able to spend some time with my family. Now it's completely different. Success to me is, which isn't for everybody. This is my current definition. It has changed very recently. I want to bring as many of my closest friends with me as possible. I had another really good friend of mine, Sam Singraff, who actually helped me get into real estate as well. Um, he's up in the Tulsa market. He'll, he he'll said, be on our he'll be on our podcast soon. Yep, I haven't absolutely. asked him yet, but I'm just going to say that he'll say yes. <laughs> he would. And come on. Yeah, he uh, he told me he said, you know, what is what's what's freedom if we can't have our best friends there with us? Like if I'm sitting on a beach you know, in, in 15 years, drinking a, a Mai Tai or whatever it is that you, you enjoy while sitting on a beach and your best friends can't be there because they're either financially strapped or don't have the time to do it, then we're, are we really successful yet if we're not there with them? Mm, that's good. And I think that's cool. I mean, in, in different stages of your life, you have a different perspective, right? Because five, six, seven years ago, I needed to make sure that me and my family were taken care of. Now, where I'm at now is my family and I, we're, we're taken care of. I mean, we're, we're going to be fine for the rest of our lives with little, little additional focus from me. I'll have to make corrections every now and then I'll have to put some more input in every now and then. But at this point I'm on a path that is already what I would consider very successful. Now my new definition or my shifting definition is to make sure that I have every opportunity that is placed in front of me. I, I'm very strategic with it. I need to make sure that so either you're not a, saying yes to everything. Right, right. There's there's a lot more no's today than there was five, six, seven years ago for sure. But now my now my focus is more on what can get my time back because my time is now what is the absolute most valuable thing in my life because I want as much time as I can with my family. So there's the freedom aspect of it. I really want to make sure that my freedom now is focused on family. Uh, my kids play, you know, high high level soccer, dude. Every single day by four thirty, I've got to have kids either in Dallas or in Round Rock or somewhere. Yeah, you know, that's insane. Out, yeah, every weekend we've got tournaments. And so, so if you were in the oil field. I could never do that. There's no way. Well, so now it's kind of like a rubber band effect because I could never be there at any of the events. Now I feel like I'm going to be at every event I can be at because I want to and because I never was. And Mm -hmm. because my oldest boy remembers that for the first, shoot, man, the first seven years of his life, he never saw me at a soccer game. He never saw me at an after-school event. He never saw me at picking him up or dropping him off to school. He just never saw me. I was lucky to be home for two or three days at a time out of 45, 50 days. So now my focus is making sure that I'm spending every chance that I get, you know, within reason. I still, I'll still go on fishing trips with my buddies. We'll still do vacations and things like that. I still put in a lot of work. Uh, Don't get me wrong. What I'm doing right now is I'm focused on, on building business. But as for when it comes to success, I, I can control my time on that. Like right now I'm on this podcast there's a hundred other things I should be doing, right? Yep. But I've a- I'm able to create my own timeline. If I had a boss, my boss would tell me, no, you need to be on the job site, right? Yep. But right now I'm able to create my own time. So that's so I know that's a long, a long definition no, of freedom great. and success. But for me right now, in, in summary, is to be able to own your time and to be able to spend the time with the people that you love the most, whether it be your kids or whether it be pouring into your best friends that you grew up with because you want to see them successful too. I love that. So, you know, there's a a myth out there that says, like, once you get into real estate, that you have complete freedom, you have a lot more time in your life. Would you say that even when you were working 21 days a week or 21 days a week, 21 (laughs) days a month in the oil field, that whenever you came out of the oil field and went full time in real estate, would you say that you were only working 20 hours a week in real estate and making like massive bank? Or were you working just as hard and just as many hours as you were when you first started? I've never been more stressed and had more time put into business than obviously in the last seven, eight years. So the oil field was a different type of stress. So when you're working for someone else, there's always someone else that can pick up. There's always someone that you can call and say, hey, man, the tool's not operating correctly today. Can you call the engineering team to figure it out? Mm. Ah, hey man, um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be ten minutes late. Hey, night hand, can you make sure and show up and 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 get this site cleaned up for us? Can you get our paperwork in order? Blah blah blah. There's always when you work for someone else, the buck stops 
with the owner or with whoever's above you or with whoever's below you. The buck can always get passed off, passed off. And, uh, in business, you are, you are the answer. There's no one else that you're going to pass it to. The buck stops here. Yep. Yep. So owning that and making sure that, and, and that, you know, for people that don't necessarily own a business, they probably don't understand what I'm saying. But when you own a business, it's completely different because at the end of the day, that paycheck belongs to you because you earned it. That paycheck also, if it doesn't come in, that's because you did something incorrect. When it, when it comes to your boss, if you didn't show up or you were sick for the week, more than likely that paycheck's still hitting your account. Yep. If you're sick for the week as a business owner, that paycheck never hits the account. Mm. So it's a little different. In the my first three years trying to build this business and and coming out of the oil field, I left the oil field and probably made a fifth maybe a sixth of what I made in the oil field. My wife's a teacher. She loves it. She's got a passion for it. So obviously there for three or four years in building business, we made zero. We made no money, man. There were months where there was no income because I had to spend extra money on an AC unit or because this rehab went a little longer than it should have or because, hey, this house was supposed to sell and it didn't sell. Well, guess what? You can't cut that check to yourself. You don't have anybody above you or below you that can say, hey, you know, we'll go ahead and make the payment this week. No, there was, it didn't work like that. So for the first, I would say, three, four years, I was barely scraping by. But I knew um, I knew that there was a light. There's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel because I could see in the far distant future, I'm buying my time back. I'm buying my children's time back. So there's a big sacrifice. Early Absolutely on, right. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of years trying to figure out time because when you're a business owner, the other thing is that you, there's no you can't turn a switch off. When you check out at eight to five, right? You got an eight to five. You check in at eight. You go make your coffee. You figure out what emails you got to send for the day, and then by four thirty, you're pretty much mentally checked out. You're ready to go home. You're thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner. All that in business, it's completely different. There is no light switch. There is no t- checking out. Um, if something happens at nine o'clock at night, I deal with it unfortunately, right? But it's business. If something happens at 6.30 in the morning, like this morning, multiple, multiple issues this morning, um, you, you, you deal with it. You don't have anybody else that, that you can go to and say, Hey, you know, this, this wasn't, this didn't work out. You're a business owner. You own it 24, seven, 365. So it's still, that's still one of the things that I'm focused on. Even this year is trying to figure out time management. Time management is difficult because for me personally, I always want to work. Always at six thirty in the morning. If I get an email, I'll answer it at ten thirty at night. If I get an email, most of the time, if I see it and I'm and I'm focused on it, I'll answer it. I need to be able to take take that time and get it back right. And I can control it, uh, but there is Jeff. There's definitely a shift between the two between the two mindsets for sure. So that would be a whole nother episode yeah. of freedom and success because you know you can you can actually gain freedom through leverage of other people's time. And through other people, but it obviously takes money to do that. Training, trust, a whole bunch of other things. So we'll save that for another episode. But I think you just gave some pretty good advice to uh, people who are listening here about about uh, obtaining some freedom and success. What would you? What are some other things or or one piece of advice that you would have for anyone that is looking to create a a life of freedom and success? Like they're sitting on the edge right now. They're they're on the fence about whether to strike off and flip their first house or start their own tattoo parlor. <laughs> yeah, which is another gig of yours, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or or Wild know, Rooster Tattoo, Fort Worth, Texas. Nice plug there. <laughs> Go get your ink, yo. Uh, anyway, so there's a lot of people that sit on the fence, and you know this because how many times a week? Do we get phone calls from people who are like, or text messages saying, dude, I want to be like you. What do I have to do to be like you? I get, I have so many meetings. I quit saying yes to a lot of meetings just because I don't have the time anymore, especially with all the travel, but I could fill lunches and breakfast all week just from the personal Facebook messages that I get saying, Hey, I want to do what you're doing. Please train me. Or I'm thinking about starting a business. Will you look at this business idea and give me your opinion? Right. Like, I should start a consulting firm and probably should hire you. And then we, but then again, we have hardly any time with everything right. else we have going in life. And so uh, that being said, somebody's on the fence today. They're listening to the podcast and they're looking for some advice to get off the fence and either go back to their eight to five or march forward towards 
freedom and success through a dream or a business idea or whatever, what would you have to say to them? Tomorrow's too late. Yep. It is. I mean, if I could have started 10 years before, if I could have skipped the oil field, I would have started way earlier. I would have failed probably so much worse because I didn't have the knowledge base. Bigger pockets didn't have all those podcasts. Right. Uh, but I felt the time that I jumped was already too late. Like I've helped, thankfully I've built a, a, an amazing several businesses. I've, I mean, we've got at one point in time, I had four mobile home parks. Um, glad to be glad to be out of those for sure. Um, we've got some single family rentals. I've, I've flipped some apartments. Uh, we flipped a six unit. We flipped an eight unit Our our eight unit that we flipped. We made $95,000 in 68 days. Nice. That was a blast. It was fun. Um, so I've, I've done a few things now I'm into storage. I've got, uh, like, like James said at my intro, I've got eight storage facilities, which is awesome. Uh, they're pretty, pretty large too. Uh, the smallest is now 30, like, no, actually we built on that one, 60,000 square feet. Um, how many units is that? Oh dude. Uh, it's <laughs> close to 500, around 500 per units. Site. Yeah. Per site. Yeah. Yeah. So that's around like 500 eight. individual clients, customers. Yeah. So, um, there, yeah, there, there's, there's where his time goes, Tony. Yeah. Right. Like it's totally but, gone. But with, with that being said, I, I wish I would have gotten started way earlier because obviously the deals were different, um, before the timeline that I got started, you know, in 2008, 2009 was kind of a scare. I was not in real estate at that point in time. I wish, I wish that I had the knowledge set that I had now to dive off Same. into then, you know, yep. uh, I would have, I would have bought a lot more rentals. I would have bought a lot more properties. I guess the situation is you're always, you know, most people get stuck in that analysis paralysis, right? Mm. But there's a lot of people, like you just said, that will call and say, Hey man, I just got a quick question. Oh, okay. okay, man. What's your quick question? Quick. You know, 45 minutes later, I've got a call later today and I love this guy. I hope he listens to this. He's a great man, but I already know this evening's phone call at six 30 this evening is going to go for probably an hour and a half. And he's going to ask me the same questions he's been asking me every six months for the last three years. Right. Same questions. He just will not jump. Hey man, you know, do you, do you, so do you really think I should pull my 401k out? Okay. For the 15th time now. Yes. <laughs> get that money out of those, the, the, the gambling of the what, stock market. What's his, what do you think his issue is? It's analysis paralysis. He's, he's so scared of, of making the jump for me. I'm, I'm in a different position than what most people are in. Um, I had nothing already. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, Same. the oil, the oil field was the, the, I grew up in a two bedroom mobile home, dude. Like it, we, we didn't have we the money. A mobile home park. We did not have the money to dig out or drill any further past rock bottom. Right. Right. You and I both. Cause no. I was, I was broke as a joke too. So. Yeah, dude. So for me, I was like, well, I'll just go get another job. I'll go get three jobs. At one point in time, I had three jobs. Yeah. Like I'm okay to work. If I got to work to provide for my family, I'll figure it out. But right now this opportunity is in front of me. Let's buy this rent house. And that's how I sold it to my wife. And ever since then, I've been selling and buying. Well, and, and you put her to work. Yeah, and well, she's true. already a teacher, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, hey, babe, you're gonna come home and you're gonna you're gonna grind with me in the Dude, afternoon. She has no idea anymore. She she did that first one, and it's not that she won't. It's just if I. I don't even tell her anymore. I just buy because she, at this point, she's, she's not really interested in, in it, for her, it's so boring. She's like, uh, he bought another house. Today. Oh my gosh. Or like the other day, <laughs> the other day I bought, so I bought three, um, storage facilities in East Texas about a month ago. Yeah. She's like, so, um, babe about that new house. And I was like, um, so about that new house, I actually bought three storage facilities. So our bank like, are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> you keep spending all my money. And I'm like, well, we're buying assets, babe. It's for our future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, you're still young. So. Oh yeah. And that's the other point is I'm, I'm 34. My birthday was last week. All so right, happy birthday. Thank you. So if, if all goes to hell in a hand basket, mind you, there's multiple different businesses at this point, there's multiple different holdings companies. So at this point I feel safe, but you never know, never know what's going to happen. No, you never know what's around the market, right? But you never know whenever you're working for the man. Oh, very true. So there's total yeah. false security. Like, Oh, well, well I work at Lockheed Martin. You know, or I work at Walmart or whatever. Right. Like every place lays off. You could lose your job at every place. You could lose hours at every place. Like there's everybody has a false sense of of security because they work for the man and they get their every week paycheck. Right. And Tony, close your ears because he gets an every other week paycheck. <laughs> but you may not get paid next week. Right. Right. But that's the thing <laughs> is there that we can't control that just the same. And what's what's funny is the banks look at that W two like it's gold. 
and they have no idea who holds the w-2 it could be it could be a guy who's underwater like i know of an electrician an an electrical company that my buddy actually bought he bought them out they had over they had three quarters of a million dollars in irs liens and tax liens golly like and where do you think all those paychecks went yeah, like so all those people were probably paid. less secure, right? Than the work ethic that I built up for Dude, myself. And let's let's break that down real quick. Let's break that fear out of the uh, the single family because I had a, a soccer dad I was talking to about this weekend. He's trying to maybe buy his first rent house. I'm sure I'll have the same conversation with him for the next you know five <laughs> years as well. But um, no, he's a good dude. He may make a jump a little quicker than that. But let's break that that fear down. You've got a single family house. I'm not telling you to ever buy it at a hundred percent. No, you're wanting to pick these things up, you know, 80, 75, 65%, 80 would be high. But I mean, let's just say you've got 20% equity whenever you buy it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're, cause you're not going to buy it at a hundred percent. I don't re- ever recommend that no matter what. So you're buying it less than a hundred percent. Um, you're putting a little bit of money into it. Maybe you maxed out a couple of credit cards, but then you go find a tenant. Your tenant doesn't work out, right? You have nobody in there. Now you're out the mortgage payment. Let's say worst case scenario happens. You don't have the payment. You don't have the money for that mortgage payment because either A, you bought too high or you can't rent it. You can't put it. You can't even put a tenant in there for half your mortgage payment, right? Let's say worst case scenario, you have a foreclosure. Is that really the end of the world? You already live in a single family house more than likely. It does nothing to your homestead. Yep. I mean, it sucks for your credit, but I know of tons of people that still can purchase a house outside of traditional banking. Like it's really not the end of the world. And so as I started to break that down, this fear became meaningless. Like you can still, it's crazy. You can still buy a property with a foreclosure on your record. You can, I've seen it. Yep. Like there's, there's numerous ways to do it. Actually. They're all rolling through my head. You got sub two, right? You got cash, you got hard money. Like you got so many different transactions that you can still do after a foreclosure. So at the end of the day, does a foreclosure on your record actually scare you? Yes, it does. Let me answer that first. Yes, it does. But in a in a worst case scenario, is it really that bad? So that's how I kind of swallowed that. I was like, man, you know, like if I fail at this, what it at that time I'm in my 20s, like late yeah. 20s. I'm like, man, that's really that that sucks. I don't want that to happen. But is that really the end of the world? No, it's not. Not at all. It drops off in seven years. Well, and I, and I think that scares the crap out of my wife because I'll go live in a mobile home. Oh, yeah, me like too. We live in an awesome house right now. It's not my dream home, but, you know, it's not – I mean, it's a great place. Yeah. But I told her if, you know, the uh, the fit hits the shan, right. I had to really think right. through that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it if it hits the shan, then, you know, we're uh, we're going to be okay. Even if we lost everything, and the, and, and the chances at this point, being so diversified, the chance right. of losing every single thing is very slim anyways. And with the knowledge that we've had and the knowledge that we've built and the knowledge you've built by doing what you've done in all of the different areas, like literally you could go pick up the ball and keep rolling. Oh. So we're not going to get foreclosed on. The bottom right. line is we won't because as we get closer – to that, we're going to figure out a solution because we're armed with enough information. And even a newbie, this is what's crazy, man. This is why I don't understand why people don't jump off the fence and just go for it. Right. Even a newbie can get every solution that he ever needs to any problem that he's having through YouTube, podcasting, books, yep. friends, mentors, coaching, whatever. And most of that is free. Most of that is free knowledge that is being thrown around. And there, I mean, there literally is fear means false evidence appearing real. It's literally a tactic to keep you from living your best life. Right. And unfortunately people are too scared and they're too afraid to make the jump. Well, and that that's it. Information, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. Information is everywhere now. So the risk is kind of mitigated by having that information everywhere. When you have a certain situation with a tenant, So the risk factor, you're thinking, okay, this tenant, maybe they're not going to make their payment, blah, blah, blah. There are so many things that you can just get onto Google Mm -hmm. and and figure out way faster than you could 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. Here's the other thing that that you also mentioned as far as my wife from that perspective. We have nicer rent houses than my personal residence. So (laughs) like my wife, my wife, I always joke with her like, babe. If we can't make our mortgage payment, which our mortgage is super we'll low, move into our yeah, we'll just move into my rent house that's over there by Cleburne Lake. It's like it's like a three thirty two hundred square foot house on Cleburne Lake. Like, oh my gosh, let we'll just go over there. Come on, there's another one on Browns Mountain that we have over on Shelby. It's a freaking gorgeous house. It's got a great backyard and a great neighborhood on a mountain. 
Like my wife would love to live there. I drive her by it every now and then. Yep. That's my rent house. She's like, that's nicer than our personal house. Yeah. Well, if we lose our house, that's where we're moving. (laughs) So risk is a little different now too, because you know, before jumping in, you want your risk to be as, as little as possible and you're super scared of everything. But now it's getting to a dangerous point because I'm really not afraid. I'm not afraid to dive off into almost anything because I know I have the knowledge space. I also know that I have the people around me that I can bounce ideas off of to where that, that risk is so minimal. So we're at a scary point where risk is almost is as minimal as it could possibly be because of our knowledge set. But also, I have, we have so much in assets, you and I that we have to be as careful as possible with our risk, right? So it's kind of a catch-22. We have to make sure that we are, we're focused enough to not take too large of a risk, but at the same time, we have a knowledge set where if you get in a risky situation, you and I can figure it out. We'll figure it out yep. pretty quick. Yeah. That I love that. That uh, not being afraid to take risk, it almost becomes unhealthy because mm-hmm. then you start doing stupid things just because you know that you can, you can overcome it. Right. It's almost like uh, creating a challenge for yourself, even though you don't need one. And uh, yeah, there was I remember last year I had a lady that worked for me and and she's like, James, um, we need some houses to sell. She goes, uh, we, we need like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars and we need it by next Friday. And Ooh. and I looked at her and I just smiled. And she goes, you are maniacal. Like, how in the world can you just sit here and smile and then by next Friday, 150 grand came. Right. And so, or whatever, you know, whatever the scenario was, it was a large amount of money. Yeah. And she goes, now I know why you just sit back and smile because you know, it's going to happen. Just takes a little action. Like, so I don't know that there's a whole lot of risk really involved. It's perceived risk and you're going all in on it. And, you know, I, I don't want to speak it over myself and say that one day, all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden it doesn't come through. But I've never had it not come through with the skills that I have. You know, I, I consider it blessings from above in a lot of ways. And my rich homies like Chase Howard, <laughs> who can deliver at, at the last minute. I, you, you're probably the one that invested with me to get me out of the hole. Yeah. <laughs> so, so a I, couple of times. Well, I, I know, you know, there's also another another way to kind of think about risk. And that is based off of past experience. So some people won't dive off into something because they've been burned by it before because they have a friend that got burned by it before, right? Yep. Um, there was my my business partner in the single family side. He and I bought a Dallas tax-based business like homestead exemptions and all that. We lost in uh, like 16 months or something. We lost about $160,000. Good Lord. Scary. Yep. Super scary. We're freaking out. Like, I mean, we have actual houses that we're flipping we have rentals. Uh, we have we have good things going. I think around that same time frame, we had flipped that eight unit and and made like ninety five grand. So I mean, that the 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 transaction in and of itself, we had eight employees we had to let go. Um, it was super scary. I I figured out really quick we were in over our heads. I figured out really quick how to better. Uh, I guess un, how to un, how to estimate a business a little better. Also, how to underwrite the business. Uh, this man had literally falsified all of his QuickBooks. He literally went in there and created transactions. I now know how to go through there and see the edits and see the transactions. But at the time, I'm just looking at reports, printed reports. Oh, okay, your accounts receivable is thirty thousand. Okay, yeah, I just believe it, right? Mm-hmm. Or or whatever. So I mean, we when we took over that business, it was a very risky, very scary thing. It also told me to stay in my lane, stick with what you know. Yep. And so that having risk like that and and having lessons, I'll call them lessons, not losses, they're lessons. That taught me a huge deal, but it's, now I call it tuition. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I didn't go to college. No. I did not go to college. But Brian Jackson's going to love this conversation. He will love that. <laughs> that 160,000 you partnered up, the loss, all right? Right. And so it's 80,000 a piece loss. Well, That's less than one one year at, at well, so uh, we never college. Yeah, we never took uh anything personal on that side. Everything for he and I was was collective from the business. We had to make oh, it back into the business. So I didn't personally ever have to take that loss. It came directly out of the business, which I mean, that was my money. That was it me and Britt's money. It came out of our 401ks. Yeah. yeah. It came originally out of our 401ks and we were trying to build that. Um, and we knew that year, okay, well, crap, we need to start up a new marketing campaign. We got to flip more houses. So the next year we flipped a ton more houses uh, just to try and climb back because that's what we knew. So, I mean, we made our money back, but it really hit us. It hit us hard for a year, a year and a half. But those lessons are what kind of create my risk uh, tolerance 
you know, knowing where and, and what to dive off into. So. Okay, cool. Well, we are uh, coming up on the end of the episode here. So we got this big event coming up in October. Oh yeah. Super excited. February. I think we're looking at doing it quarterly and we've had such a, such a good show of, uh, of people wanting to be involved with it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that event? Yeah. So, um, by the way, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Was it three years ago when we went on our first fishing trip to Florida? Yeah. And we started talking all this stuff, Tony, about like, uh, buying a beach house and all of this. I really thought I was going to be the first one to buy a beach house, <laughs> but <laughs> got him a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Chase was the first one to buy a house on the beach. With a private pool. How too. many? I mean, it's cool. The it's, private pool is going to be amazing. How yeah. many steps to the water? Uh, well, it's it's probably 100, 120. I actually need to count. Oh my gosh! It. I know. I was so I, I'm going to make mine be like 80 yeah. from the water. Yeah. Whatever. Actually, backing up to the water. <laughs> you know, you jump gotta, out of the. I got to one up him into the ocean. He'll probably yeah. cut a trench now to the back porch with, where the water comes all the way with up a moat. Yeah, <laughs> with a, a moat on the property. So, but anyways, congratulations on Thank that you. beach house. That was a dream that we've all been discussing for years. So, so that is a collective only because uh, it's part of my. Uh, remember earlier, whenever I talked about bringing my best friends and my family where we're going. So that was part of me and my father-in-law's collective. So my father-in-law had a rent house. I had some money and my father-in-law's rent house was doing well, but the area I think was capped out. Um, so I, I told him, dude, sell it. Let's do a 1031 exchange. For those of you that don't know, that's a tax thing. You, you actually don't have to pay taxes on the property whenever you pull the, when you pull the funds from one property into a like asset, like another house, you don't pay taxes on it. So I helped him through that whole process. We brought that rental over into a beach house. He and I are on the same page. We've been talking about buying a beach house for the past 10 years. We've been talking about it. Everybody wants to talk about it, but we figured out a way to do it. So I put some money in. He 1031 to his house, and we bought a beach house. It's in Panama City Beach, Florida. Sleeps 16 people, private mm-hmm. pool. Got a small pool in the backyard, saltwater pool. Uh, you walk right down to the beach. It's got a bar within walking distance. Uh, got restaurants all within walking distance. I actually sent my parents my mom and my dad, they're there right now. And, uh, oh, come on. Oh, uh, they are They're. I'm sure they're living it up right now. Uh, they went to captain Jack's last night for cra- all you can eat crab legs. Oh, anyways. Yeah. I uh, like that. It's, oh man. You know what? It's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. So they're, they're having a blast there right now, but in October, what's coming up is I know James and I, as well as our, our friend, Ryan Jackson, uh, we've all been going to the beach. We've been going to Florida multiple times per year. Uh, finally, we've got a place that we can all say, Hey, let's let maybe even leave a bag in the owner's closet or whatever, but we, we have a house that we know we can go to whenever we need to. It is on VRBO. Um, so if you need, need to go check that out, it's Albacore adventures in Panama city beach. But, Tony will um, put a link in the, in the, cool. in the uh, notes section. So you yeah. can go on there and book any stay, but we're going to go out there. Hopefully James, myself and uh, Ryan can provide as much value as possible for, for three or four people, I don't want to bring out a ton of people because I don't want to make it too much of a non-personal. I don't want to make it too much of a, of a, like an, a party thing. This really needs to be a mastermind where we can pour into some inv- individuals and tell them what we've learned, because ultimately that's how I am successful is on the shoulders of other men, because yep. people like James and people like my buddy, Sam Singraff and other men have, or, and, and women have come around me and said, you know, Hey, this is this is how you can change this, or this is how you can better do this situation. So that's how me, James and Ryan on this trip are hoping to pour in some more, some more people. Um, it'll, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a blast. I'm sure we're going to do some fishing. We're going to do some grilling. We're going to go to some restaurants. Uh, there's a really nice restaurant down the street that we absolutely have. To I've go been to. trying to convince these guys to get a catamaran, some, some kind of way to go sailing. Maybe, that would be a maybe blast. A, uh, maybe a pontoon boat, oh, but, yeah. uh, whatever, whatever we can find to get out in the water. Uh, also, so, I mean, it's just going to be amazing because you're literally going to be able to bring all of your questions, any fears or any challenges that you have, you can lay them right there and you're going to get three guys that are doing things three different ways, really. Yep. I mean, we all kind of make our money in real estate, but it's all from a different perspective and we have different things that we've learned over the years and stuff. And well, and it's not on a stage. It's not an event. I mean, yeah, if, not you wanna, if you want to ask me a question over a beer at 1030 at night, that's what we're going to do. Yep. If you want to ask me over breakfast in the morning, that's what we're going to do. Well, and Chase thinks that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Absolutely so we'll definitely be having bacon it's eggs science. and probably pancakes. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be, it'll be a whole lot of fun. So uh, what is, what is the cost of the event? What is the investment I should say? Cause it's not really a cost. Right. What all so, does it include? 
so for from for my math, I'm actually we are legitimately creating a budget around it. It is five thousand dollars per person. So if you want to come to the event, get poured into by you know three knowledgeable, uh, experienced individuals. That includes all of your meals. That includes your uh, the lodging. Um, that includes our time as well. That includes your, uh, the boat. We're going to go fishing. That includes a fishing trip, probably a catamaran or something like that as well. Um, but all that would be included and already paid for. The only thing you'd pay for is your airfare. Yep. The transportation to get there. We actually handle all the transportation while we're there as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that is super cheap. What do you think, what do you think the, the value could be for someone who's coming there? If they take just a couple of little things that they learn while we're there, at the beach house, how much money do you think they could go make with that? Well, I mean, you could do five grand in a single real estate transaction. So if all it ever did was provide you with one flip or one rent house. You make or, your money back. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I think and, it's an infinite infinite return, though, because you're going to have guys that are open for partnerships. You're going to have guys that if you mesh well with them, will be friends from now on. And I can just think, you remember the mastermind we did last year for the Dallas Cowboy Tampa oh, yeah. Bay game? We had a great group of guys and every single person was from a different market or in a different segment of industry. Mm -hmm. And I still talk to almost all of those guys like on a weekly basis now. And anytime we have any questions. And I learned a lot. I learned a ton from some of those Absolutely guys. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I'm sure that they learned from from us. It and we made one of those guys maybe a surprise guest yeah. down at the beach house. We're gonna leave that to be to be determined. But uh, it's gonna be an amazing time. So Make sure that you go to uh, what what website? Can we use the Cash Flow Cowboys website? Yeah, we do have a Facebook. It's just it's me, you, and uh, Ryan right now on there that run it. Um, but it is the Cash Flow Cowboys website or Facebook page. Facebook page. So mm-hmm. is it uh, just go search Cash Flow Cowboys? Mm-hmm. What's the uh, profile picture? So if somebody needs it's to, me, you, and and Ryan, uh, and Ryan. in front of a car. I think we're in front of a Audi R8 or something like that. <laughs> but we're in Florida on one of our fishing trips. Oh yeah, we yeah, yeah. we actually rented some sports cars. That was a fun weekend. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, perfect. So go out, go over there, check in. You can also hit, hit us up on Facebook, private messages, yep. say, Hey, I'm interested. Here's the deal guys. Uh, two guys committed last night already and they're ready to put their deposit down. We're waiting on some dates, probably going to be the end of October. We're going to do it again in February. So we're already taking commitments, but I'm not going to make a commitment that it's only going to be five grand in February. All right. Really, five grand is too cheap. Well, I, and that's what I was telling James. I'm, I'm adding it up, and I'm like, man, uh, we're we're going to spend every bit of this on this Florida trip. So the next one really kind of needs to have a little more leeway, especially if we're going to bring in any more guests. Yep. So we can bring in some uh, other power hitters and really be able to bring the value in. And so, but I don't want to diminish the three guys that are going to be there because we're going to bring the value bombs, and you're going to make a lot of money off of it. Even if you just partnered on one deal with us just partnered on one deal with us, you're going to learn some nuances and different things about the business that you'll be able to walk away with and, and do for the rest of your life. So a a little sidebar there too, is, is one of the things that I do and that I focus on and that I have been focused on. And similar to what I said with like friends and families, I I bet on racehorses and I don't mean, I don't mean literally racehorses. I mean, figuratively, one of my business partners with the tattoo shop, he was an amazing artist or is an amazing artist. And he was at a shop he just didn't like. I said, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to put some money in on this and we're going to go be business partners. Same thing in real estate. I've done multiple times with business partners. And I say, Hey, you're the person I want to bet on because ultimately when you go into business with somebody, you're not betting just on the asset. You're betting on that person that they can operate at a like mind at a like speed with you. So that's kind of what I'm also looking for in expansion. I'm and sure it takes James trust on that. Yep, so, absolutely. And how do you gain trust? You spend time, time with somebody mm-hmm. and you will, you will know everything about a person from Monday through Thursday at a beach house. You have every minute you're captive with that person. You're going to yep. know a lot about that person. And there'll probably be guys that show up that I'm like, I could care less about spending any more time with this guy the rest right. of my life. And that's okay. That That's why we have three guys coming. Right. Some may rub you wrong. Some may you may connect with and, and it may be a lifelong relationship and that is worth way more than 5,000 bucks. So, so we're at the end of the show and I want you to kind of just let the audience know, and I'm, I'm kind of curious for myself on that, but what's next for you? Like what, what, what's your plan right now as, as we sit here? 
besides buying your wife a, her dream home? Yeah, I, I need to get my time back right now. So everything's in a season. Um, I'll expand really quick and then I'll be like, oh man, I don't have any more time to keep expanding. So I've got to optimize my time. Right now I am in the optimize my time mode, right? I've got to figure out, I need to hire a couple people. Uh, I need to, I need to hire right for sure. Uh, so what's next for me is I'll organically purchase probably probably at least one more storage facility this year, large, a large one, uh, maybe two. But in that I've got, um, my focus will still remain. I need to pour into those around me and my friends and family around me and help build them up. So what's next for me on honestly is optimizing what I already have. Cool. I love it. Yep. And if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, Facebook, I, the problem with Facebook is I, I, manage like nine different Facebook accounts now, uh, all businesses. So, uh, if you private message me, don't, don't hesitate to remind me every couple of hours or every day <laughs> or so. Hey man, don't forget about me. Um, definitely through Facebook messenger. That's probably the easiest one. The other one is just my email. It's chase at state storage group.com. Awesome, man. Mm -hmm. Thank you for taking the time pouring in here. It's been a great show. Uh, thank y'all. You have fun. Any, anything else you want to add? Um, no, other than just, uh, make sure, make sure you own your time. That's the biggest focus on, on business is owning your time. Perfect. Yep. Hey, thank you guys for listening today. I look forward to being with you again until then go down into the notes section. There's a whole bunch of important information there, information about the mastermind, how to get a hold of chase. There was something else. I can't remember now that I said, we'll put down in that. Oh, the Albacore house, my beach house. Oh yeah. The link yep. to his beach house. Yep. So you have an in, you have a go friend now that has a beach house. Yep. So go rent it out. You ask him for a discount. I'm going to slap you. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening in. I wish you much freedom and success. Hope you have an amazing week. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Fast Radio. If this episode of Fast Radio brought you value, please take a moment to leave us a review. Until next time, we wish you freedom and success.